Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. A fabulous free kick from Leighton Baines. Dawson, oh, what a finish from Ben Dawson. It's 2 0. It's scored by Ted Cahill in injury time for Everton. Matheson, the 16 year old, to Wilbraham, the 40 year old, stunning from Hamis Rodriguez. And here, into Henderson! And Ian Henderson, right on the Welcome everybody to episode two of the Men in Blue podcast. My name is Greg. I'm a Rochdale supporter. I'm here with Matt and Jimmy, who are both Everton supporters. How are you doing, lads? You okay? Not so bad, yeah. Been a bit cold this week, bit of snow yesterday, but all good. Can't complain otherwise. Yeah, good for yourself. Pretty quiet. Lockdown life, as we all know, it carries on. Snowstorm for about five minutes. British weather. It's probably, we'll be on the news tonight. That'll be our five minutes of snow. All the trains stopped. Absolutely major panic. And we don't tend to get much snow, as Matt will know. Um, by the way, for those who listen, uh, may not be aware that Matt and I are actually brothers. Yeah, we don't so sound like We don't sound like it. We'll all look like it, or even pretend to no. be brothers particularly. We, we try to dissociate for each other, really. We love each other deep down somewhere. But yeah, obviously, being where we're from, from by three sides of the world, from the world, normally it doesn't often snow. So when we do, it's absolute frenzy. So on Saturday, we had Manchester United 3, Everton 3 at Old Trafford. Uh, Matt, you watched that match. Uh, what are your thoughts about the result and the performance by Everton? It was kind of a mad game. For the opening 20 minutes as an Everton fan, we actually played pretty well. We didn't, didn't produce much in terms of going forward, but I don't think United ever really threatened us too much. And for some reason, for the last 20, 25 minutes of the half, they just sat back and let them have the ball. Support defending for the first goal. And I think Ben Goffrey's at fault, put Michael Keane as well. Uh, but a good header, it's a great ball. I think it's Rash put the ball in from the right hand side. It's a really good goal. And then Bruno sticks one in the top corner at half time. And I really am thinking, oh well, <laughs> not a result at Old Trafford. <laughs> what are we going to do? And in the second half, we came out with a kicking the ball forward, which was a bit of a shock. We had, we had a bit of a go. And two really good goals. A bit of luck with the first one with De Gea's not great goalkeeping. But the second one is a really, really good move. Uh, Hammers with a a brilliant finish in the bottom corner and then but free kick which is a little harsh but I can see why it's given leads to Tomini putting one in the, in the corner mistake from the keeper which is always a bit of a shame to say especially this season with Everton and Pickford and that kind of stuff it looks like his foot just slipped a little bit else as he's moving to his left but after his performance away at Leeds in the week before I'll give him a you know he came up by a game it happens to the best of them and I was all set up for a hard four loss and all of a sudden in the last minute Calvert-Lewin pips in and it's seat. Tom Davis in midfield, I've got to say, played brilliantly for 90 minutes. Um, someone gets a lot of sticks, sets up, pretty much sets up the first goal, helped by a bit of an extra two from David De Gea. And the second goal was a really well-taken goal from Javier Rodriguez. Balling from the left, I think it's Lucas Dean, they don't clear it very well. Decore fizzes a ball back into it. It's a really good finish on the first touch. And I think that's what we've missed going forward, is that little bit of quality, which he showed. The third goal for United is a bit disappointing from the keeper's point of view. Um, I think he slipped as he moved into his left. Again, it's a good header from Tomney, but one that he would expect to say. Um, but after the performance against Leeds, I think he really did help us get three points. I, I, I'll give him a bad game. It happens to the, to the rest of them. And I think it was, I was all set up for, you know, what we gave it a go, but did, you know, a few mistakes with cost us, and then we get a goal in the 95th minute with Carver Lewis. And it was a good, really good finish. It was a good ball in, knocked on by Keane, I think it is. And he just gets what he does best, which is just being in that right place at the right time. Six in the bottom corner. And we, it's one of those draws that feels like a win. If I was being ultra critical of the performance, it just felt like it's a great result to come back after going behind twice. But if we'd been at them from the start earlier on, who knows what we could have done. But you know, you've got to be delighted with the draw at Old Trafford, especially the way they're playing this season. I'm just beating Southampton 9 0. I was going there with the fear of, oh no, they've just scored nine. What, what's going to happen to us? But it just shows the confidence in that team. It also shows they've got a bit of grit, got a bit of determination. I think it's the first Everton side since probably David Moyes to have that, that real sort of, ah, you know what, we're going to come at you and we're going to have the performances. And it's nice to see. But yeah, I'm delighted. A good point, even. Um, we go again. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, um, I must confess I only watched uh, the highlights of match today. 
terrible supporter over here. But um, I promised to watch more games live. I, I think I think the first half kind of showed, obviously at the moment, City are running away with it, but why we shouldn't necessarily discount Man United from potentially being a title contender. For years, they've been a bit a bit of a, you know, perceived as, you know, not what they were. But look at the talent they've got. Obviously, the money they've spent, but the, the quality they've got going forward, certainly, is absolutely evident by that first goal with Rashford whipping the ball in and Cavani, who I think, oh, he's, he's passed it. Well, maybe a guy who's done it all around Europe and scored goals internationally for Europe, why the way he has, maybe he's got a bit about him. Maybe he knows where to be in the right place, the right time to pop up. You know, he doesn't have to be, you know, 19, 20 with legs running for days. He's looked after himself and shades of when Ibrahimovic went to Old Trafford. But you know what I mean? And the guy's not even that old. He's, what, 32, 33 maybe? So I think he's done really well. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily rule him out of giving City a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I wouldn't rule out a few sides still. Be two down at Old Trafford at half time. I think if the Old Trafford crowd have been behind them, I know they get slated sometimes. If they've been fans in the stadium, I think United may have come out second half a bit more impetus. And in previous years, we'd have lost that game 3 4 now. We'd have been absolutely hammered. We'd have, we'd have been hammered. There's been games where I remember, oh gosh, going back years ago, we held them out to the 80th minute. I think it was like 2002-ish. We held them out to the 80, 80 odd minutes and then lost 3-0 in the last 10 minutes. I think Skull scored an absolute screamer. You know, that's going back a long, long time. Of course, very different scene, teams back then. Great resilience and reminiscent of the 4-4 draw in 2012, which obviously was the only thing that handed Man City the title that year. I can't think of anything else that happened, anything particularly dramatic that may have given them a trophy. I think that 4 old draw was what basically sealed it for them, right? Anyone? Yeah? But that's um, what I remember. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any other any other iconic um, moments happened towards the end of the season. Who is Sergio Aguero? We just don't know. <laughs> Sergio who? Never heard of him. It's all, about, all about St- Stephen Bino, mate. And Jalovic, days in blue. If I'm going to be critical, and I am quite critical of this particular player, it's of Tom Davis. Now, he's been much, much better in the last since the turn of the year, and he's been slated by Everton fans, rightly so, for performances that have been subpar for the last few years. And I do think if he hadn't been a local boy brought through the club, and if he hadn't been the nephew of a former player, whose name escapes at the moment, I'm sure somebody will remind me, Alan somebody, Alan Whittle, there you go, then I think he would have been binned off a long time ago, but I think for the second goal, Fernandez's goal, both him and Olsen could do better, personally speaking. I think if you close down on Fernandez, he either has to have a part, in which case his angle's been narrowed, or he has to go wide, at which point then you've got, you know, you go out wide to the right, you've got Luca Dini on the left-hand side, who can stop the cross. If you give him space, you know, 20 yards out, he can pop one in from there. And even then it sort of, I know Olsen probably wasn't expecting it, but it kind of floats over him. And it's a bit like, oh, you could get to that and same again for the third goal. But like you say, Olsen's been pretty good. And we can't, I can't say one week, oh, he's good competition for Pickford and then come on here and say he's not good enough the next because that's just going to contradict myself. So he is a good keeper. You, every keeper makes mistakes, as we well know, as we saw this weekend in other games we'll get on to. I think, yeah, I just think that the power then for Fernandez's goal maybe should have done a bit more to stop it. And maybe that's being hypercritical because they both have been really good recently, especially in the game of Leeds and hopefully, you know, in, in games to come as well. Another thought, particularly on United, is how underrated is Scott McTominay? Mm. Do yeah, I think he, he's helped agree. get Scotland to the Euros. He is basically the modern day Dan Fletcher, who himself was unbelievably underrated. I mean, even though this isn't like a Man United podcast, but he scored, the, <laughs> he scored the goal last night to get United through in what I believe was an absolutely snooze fest of a game against West Ham in the Cup. Oh, but it was, uh, it was tedious. I can imagine, like I say, I don't make a point of watching it particularly, and I'm glad I didn't. But I just think he's really, really underrated as a player. And I think he's absolutely, I think he's brilliant. He's just one of those things to go about it. He seems to score every week. It's, it feels like from like holding it field. Or again, I'll comment on 3 3. It's a great game for neutral. It's a great result. You know, everyone's still, when you're 93 out 3, oh, 95th minute equalizer. Oh, that looks really good. Unless your team, as you know, Greg, because Rochdale until. We'll get on to them. I've had heart attack football results yeah. recently. 3 3, I go, oh, what a game. You drew 3 all with Crew or yeah. 4 all with whoever it was, uh, Wigan mm-hmm. or somebody. Yeah. But if you're involved in it, you just think, stop conceding. It's I, I, Very rarely I watch Premier League games because I haven't got Sky mm-hmm. and I haven't got BT Sports, but I bought a weekend pass and I timed yeah. it right because yeah, I think it was not a weekend pass, a day pass. But it was, I think it was £10 for the day. But I managed yeah. to fit in four games, I think. So I did it just at the right time. And obviously I managed to watch yeah. Man United Everton. And from like a neutral standpoint, Everton didn't have a right lot of the ball, but when they did, they did a help they, they made use of it. Yeah. But that's a good been... point sometimes. That can be a good part that can be a good aspect of the game because 
you can sometimes have all the ball. Rochdale have done it before, and you do nothing with it. But they were clinical with the possession that they had. They made good maneuver, you know, good movements down, you know, the channel and things like that. It's just something that I picked up on that as soon as they got the ball, right, they're doing something with it. And the first the 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 first goal that Everton got, and then it was within a few minutes later that they got the second goal. They just kept plucking away, just kept plucking and kept yeah. going at it. When you look at it, Ancelotti, fair play to him because he stuck with that formation. As soon as they were 2-0 down, he could have thought, right, this isn't working. He stuck with it, and he must have known that something's going to come of this. And it kicked on a little bit. They just kept yeah. going and kept going. And there were no, you know, fair enough, they conceded three, but it, just, it was a very good performance in terms of mentality-wise. It's something that I'd like oh, to yeah. see Rochdale do in terms of when we're 2-0 down, we just need to go up, go for it and just mentally keep it together a bit more and that's yeah. what I noticed with Everton they just kept going get to the mm-hmm. end and obviously last minute equalised and it was fantastic I did yeah. celebrate the goal obviously because I was like <laughs> oh brilliant, brilliant but yeah. I was half waiting for the flag to go up half not knowing what was going on for a good mm-hmm. five seconds I was like oh, are they going to yeah. give it yeah. is something gone off here is he offside even I was about five seconds I was like they're not going to give this it's Old Trafford and then it just went <laughs> didn't it and I went oh it's happened I just had yeah, that yeah, gut yeah. feeling that yeah, is it going to happen? That's just football in twenty twenty one. I mean, it's VAR is a strange. We could have a whole podcast on VAR, and I, for a lot of it, I mean, this week in particular, um, I mean, naming things like red cards, Thomas Suchek for, uh, for West Ham at the weekend. It is a strange mentality. I think as well being in in the ground when a goal goes in, and you know, it might be a VAR check. I mean, most most famous that comes to mind straight away, I think, is City Spurs in the mm. Champions League. Two, three years ago, I want to say, a couple uh, of years ago. got the final. So yeah, 2019, that was it, a couple of years ago. Uh, and Sterling gets a, well, a last-minute winner in inverted commas, and the goal's ruled out. And it, it, in a weird way, it creates a brilliant bit of drama because you get that moment where City think they've gone through and it's taken away. And it must be horrible being on, on the side of City, but it's a bit of Spurs by that moment. Wow, that's elation. You know, we can talk about it as Everton fans in the South Derby this year. Mm. I can send just offside, we'll see. I don't think it was offside, personally. But I, I, to this day, I can't, I can't see how it's given offside or I can't. It's so tight. Same as that one. Someone against, was it Villa or something the other week? Or yeah, there was happened, one was Van Yings, I think, or sure. I sure. it was. But, and it is tough. But to be on the side of it where, where it goes for you, there is a real sense of relief. But yeah, I mean, going back to Jimmy's point about Tom Davis and the that's United's second goal, Yes, he does as close actually probably a catalogue of areas that goes back. I think Carragher did a really good assessment of it. Um, and he's talking about the back four and the back three, they take out Lucas Dean because he probably is on the left hand side, how they just don't get across enough, which means that Davis has to sit a bit deeper, which mm-hmm. gives further to space. But yeah, I mean I, I can't disagree with the points otherwise. I think Davis splits a fan base. I want him to do well. I really want to do well because he's mm-hmm. different, he's not your normal footballer. Um, with his skateboarding and with his fashion choices and whatever else. I kind of like that about him. I like the mm. fact that he gets, uh, gets the dars up. But yeah, interesting weekend. Very, very interesting weekend mm. from the point of view. I love how Solskjaer brought on Axel Twanzebe in the 94th minute. And, and gets sure away should give up 3-2. Gives away the free kick for the goal. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Is that what happened? Yeah, he lost it. Yeah. yeah. Crikey. Bless him. Um, <laughs> gosh. I'm sure there's a Man United player that were born in Rochdale. Rochdale's brief. Wasn't a good result on Saturday. Lost 2-0. It's either the 10th or the 11th game that we conceded in the first 15 minutes. When you look at it like that, in my opinion, it's evident that we're losing our shape quite early on in the game. Because we're losing the shape so early on in a lot of games where we're conceding, it's such a mountain to climb sometimes so early on. You're having to switch from sort of one tactic that you might have already sort of tried to you know put in place to go into something else so quickly. Apparently, we've got the worst home record in the Football League. There's an argument to be made about home and away records um, this season. Do they mean anything this season? No. Does, does a home record mean anything? Does an away record mean honest, anything? Do they ever mean anything? Because... I would say so. Well, I remember one time, oh, was it the 90,000 season, I think Coventry City finished, I think distinctly mid-table, didn't win a single Premier League away game. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you can say we need to move our away form into our home form, but... 
or win. You don't get any more points winning away from home at the end of the day, unless it's like Europe and you got away goals, which I still think is a ridiculous rule. Does it? It means less now than I think it did 10, 15 years ago. I think it still applies to some teams. I mean, look at, I mean, I'm looking at Everton's next away game. We've got to go to Lanfield, oh, okay. which fans or no fans, they'll still find a way to lose. But still, hmm. I mean, Liverpool's, a, I mean, you know, it's ingrained in my DNA to dislike that club as much as possible. I have to admit, when the crowd is behind and they're fully up for it, that is the toughest place to go. Kind of taken back to what United used to. I think Old Trafford these days isn't quite as daunting a place as it used to be. But I still think home and record, this season, home and away records, hmm. they apply somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose. I was this year. You can see team. We what everything's away from is insane. I think was it unbeaten in six away from home, which is yeah. just daft. And I, I suppose we'll go back to Rochdale, Greg. A lot of your survival league one, they're going way back under Keith Hill as well. You're beating teams like Leeds at home, Sheffield Wednesday at home, Southampton at home. Mm. Okay, you were double over Southampton at that time. Yes. Um, yeah. But you know, with Gary Jones and that, who's now a person trained on the world, can I just point out? I noticed that he's on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. I thought yeah. you would have uh... follow his player, his player's training account, Gary yeah. Jones. If you're listening, please get in touch. We oh, love you. We love um, Gary Jones. We do. We love Gary Jones. Sure, he came to my gym once. Anyway, but yeah, I think you relied a lot on your home floor because you've only got a small stadium and you've got you know a fairly small issue. What might be saying, you average about two, three thousand a week fan base. You get bigger clubs, bigger clubs coming sort of to Scotland and it's a bit of a shock for them in the nicest possible way. When you get your likes of your Ipswiches, your Sutherlands, your Forests, your Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday, they've all been in League One recently or you know, the last 10 years or so. So I think, yeah, whilst turning away from, I know I said it doesn't really matter, I think Rochdale have relied, I could be wrong, I haven't done the research, a lot on their home, form, especially when you stayed up the other year, was it? beating Charlton last day or something and then coming out of the relegation zone last year it was quite a close one before the league was finished and it was a lot of your home results that dragged you out of that mire just going back to the um, home and away records I know it's obviously we're saying there's not much of a gravitas with that this season but surely like can't be ecstatic about being worst at something no, in the football it, league as well, maybe League One, the whole seventy-two football league clubs. That's not obviously. I take on, I take on board other fans' expectations, other Rochdale fans' expectations, and I read Twitter and Facebook and got different group chats going on, things like that. But sometimes my expectations of the club are a bit more fluid in terms of where we are in the league. Sort of factoring in what's going on around us a bit more sometimes. Like for instance, six months ago when I thought, oh, we're not going to stay up, no, we're not going to stay up. I can't really keep that mindset right now because of league positions and what's happening and new players. Mm. I sort of adapt my sort of uh, expectations a little bit to what's happening right now. Going back to the game, a bit surprised with a lot of BBM's starting players with his with his first 11, shall we say. I was a bit surprised that Keohane hadn't been picked to start. Mm. And I would, yeah. I would put him in the top five like mm. consistent performers that we've got currently. Yeah. It, for some reason, he doesn't start against Charlton. I was a bit surprised about that one. But we do need to try and keep our shape early on in the game. So I don't understand how that can be a constant thing where we concede so many goals in the first 15 minutes. I don't know if it's a lack of concentration or if it's the players or there's... Some sort of communication that's not going on there, but it seems to be happening quite a lot. I mean, so isn't it a case that teams think they can get at you in the first 15 minutes if they know that this is a common problem going to keep happening where teams think they're going to come play Rockstar and think, right, lads, first 20 minutes, get your goals, get the goal, at least get a goal early on, knowing that either they're going to have more chances down the line to, you know, with the high scoring games you've had this season. Is that an issue? Is, it, is that something that you've noticed that teams just think, okay, first 20 minutes, if we get past that and haven't scored, then Rockstar are really in this? Whereas, if they get a goal or two early on, do their heads drop and that kind of thing as well? I mean, you tell me more. It's, it's happening against multiple oppositions, basically. And, you know, you've got to try and stop that somehow. Really, we're in a, I think we're in a relegation, we're in a re- relegation dogfight, to be honest. We've now got 19 games left. I, I think we're two points clear of the bottom four. I've got, at the moment, you are in 18th on 26 points. Yeah. And Northampton are in 23rd on 24. There's oh, a gap. Two points tight. between 23rd and 18th. That is so tight. That's unbelievable, isn't it? It, it, it? Well, I think it's the bottom seven that are quite close. Yeah. Burton look quite gone at the moment. But from 23rd up to you and 18th, it is dead tight. It is, yeah. And I, I, I was a bit surprised during the week that the results seem to be going for, uh, going for us in terms of they're getting beat and we're not picking up results and everything's sort of staying the same a little bit. Very little movement going on in the, uh, the bottom half of League One. We've signed these you know, energetic young players, but it's just making sure they're a little bit headstrong sometimes. I think they're all, you know, they're all very good players in one way or another. They've all got a very good quality each somewhere, but it's just making sure that they've probably got the, 
they got the mentality for a, a relegation dogfight, really, because such young players, a lot of them as well, you know, and you know, it's, it can obviously it's difficult lockdown, COVID, things like that. I'm not, you know, not slagging them off by any means. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the highlights myself, and I thought you looked quite. I mean, it was only the highlights, but you looked quite defensive. And for both goals, it was like just get rid of the ball. Just the, the ball seems to be pinging around the area. It's like just get rid. And even then, Charlton hit the woodwork again and cut about even more from what I saw. And I meant I meant to ask as well, really. Do you think you've replaced? Um, you, I know you had last season players that really impressed me were Reece Norrington Davis and Sanchez the keeper. I know they've gone, they've gone back to their respective parent clubs now. I think Sanchez was in goal for Brighton for the weekend. Yeah. Do you think you've replaced them adequately? Because I know they really both impressed me when I saw you at Prenton Park. Well, going back, you know, beginning of last season now, mm. when you pinged it round and knocked it past Tramia, like amazingly, look at Barcelona, didn't you? Do you think you've really replaced those players? Or do you think, you know, you're still lacking in defensive solidity, really? Well, you clearly are with the goals, you can see it, but do you think it's down to key players not being replaced properly? I think you're right. We did well to get Robert Sanchez. I think he's he's a very good mm-hmm. very good goalkeeper for his age and where he's, you know, obviously he's at Brighton at the moment. And he's, There was an interview that BBM did a few months ago on the Rochdale AFC podcast. I'll, uh, I'll include those boys. And BBM was on. He was talking about Sanchez and he was saying that he was so confident. Yeah. And I think that's the key thing with Sanchez. He is a confident lad. When I watch I've watched a few of the few of the Brighton games in the Premier League recently and you can just tell he is oozing confidence. I don't think it's arrogance. I think he's just he's, he's very confidence. I think he's just very certain that I'm having this ball when he comes out for the corner and he grabs it. I think it's a very good thing to have because if you've got a defence which is notoriously shaky, if you've got that person behind you, I mean, look at that goes to all leads. Look at the Premier League. I mean, as they say, you know, the best attack starts with a good defence. I mean, if you've got someone in goal who is commanding in that area, and a lot of teams are struggling to find that at the moment, they're trying to find that keeper who really does, who does that. And if you've got a player, if you've got that player in your side who really does believe it spreads to the rest of them, that confidence that really does create, uh, you know through to the rest of them and that's a good thing to have especially as you say when you're in a league which is a dogfight from top to bottom yeah you know, it's, it's I really do believe the championship and league one league two are the toughest leagues to be in because yeah. you get the teams who come up from those leagues who come let's say someone comes to league one from league two they've got a point to prove and you know it's not uncommon you see back-to-back promotions you see teams who try and they did it from um, the national league up into league one or they are back in league two oh. But if you get that system right, if, it's a, if you get those key elements of the side correct and the keeper is one of the main things to get, if you can't replace that, it's a tough place to be. Um, and especially if you've relying on a younger keeper to come in who hasn't quite got that same confidence yet, um, it's a big ask. I mean, the point I'd make to you, Greg, is where you are at the moment. Are you where you expected to be? Or is it more a case to we've been below par? We've been just- yeah, I expected to be near you know the bottom eight shall we say I you know had a lot of good players leaving the summer Ian Henderson Callum Camps a few others Luke Matheson obviously went last January I think it was now but um, I think actually he's recruited very well BBM um, obviously I'm half repeating what I mentioned before they are quite young that's that's the only problem that they're um, they're not quite as experienced as you know you'd like we haven't really signed a lot of like uh, what you would call like a league one player they're all youth team players from Manchester City Arsenal, things like that, which yeah, you can pull them together and you can get good energy and it can it can pay off sometimes. Have you done what I would call the football manager technique of raiding Premier League teams of scouting players and players for the best? Because yeah, we've all done it. Yeah, it's not even trying to. We've all done it. Yeah, well, scouting works today. Yeah, he has. He's got it's, it's, Yeah, it's, it's one of those that we need that the experience. I think losing Henderson to Salford, I know we mentioned him last week, and um, just losing that. Bit of you need that know-how to stay in League One as well. You need yeah. players that know that league. You can be very good in nationally, you can be very good in the youth leagues, you can be a good young player, you can be a quite experienced player in the League Two level, but the step up to League One is as you know, witnessed last year, the Rovers is, is is a is a bit of a it's a bit of a gap, you know, as as going up any division is. I think you'll be all right. I'm gonna, I was gonna ask the question if you think you'll go down, but it's it's too early to say really in Sparty take, but I think you've got just enough about you to stay up when you look at some of the other sides that are down there. But it's it could be one of those again like with the Charlton game the other year where you have to sort of stay on the last day kind of thing. Um yeah. which would probably be quite fitting given the heart attack football that you'd witnessed this year. Yeah. and the score lines that ends up as in like a heart attack dramatic end of season type 
finale. Um, but obviously, we haven't got a very big budget. We got a few, you know, we got rid of a few players just as this, just well, pre season, obviously, a few of them. We couldn't offer them contracts, different money issues, things like that. Mm. Henderson was a top earner. Calvin Andrew was a top earner. Josh Lillis was a top earner. And Callum Camps was a top, top earner. And all four of them have gone. He's so been brilliant for Fleetwood camps, hasn't he? Oh, he's been he's been absolutely fantastic. He's, you must be regretting letting him go. He did play well the last eighteen months. He did kick on a little bit. He was better than previous mm. years. He did develop, and he was getting better, and he was scoring a lot yeah. more, and he was scoring great goals, things yeah. like that. And then he dip a little bit, and then he dip in and out of form a little bit, like how I mentioned Joe Bunny the other week. Chuffed for camps. He's he's doing really well at the moment. Going back to the Charlton game. Thing is with Charlton, they did play well, but I don't think they were like absolutely box office. They weren't unbelievable, you know. They, and they did a bit more than Doncaster a few weeks ago. Doncaster sussed us out and just figured out what they just needed to do just to just to get the result. They didn't really have to bust the gut to get the three points. It was sort of like a like smart mm. football, smart tactics in terms of you know mm. if you can apply that. I think that's a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of teams in League One do that this season. Doncaster did it when we played them away from home. You could tell that they hadn't really kicked in a gear. I think Charlton yes. did that on Saturday as well. Just they played a little bit better than Doncaster, but you know they didn't need to break a sweat basically. Then that's great tactics, probably. Yeah, I think this season of all seasons, game management's far more important. I think than the actual performance, but the game's coming thick and fast with the COVID situation the way it is. If you can get by by just knowing how to do enough and how to perform enough to beat teams like clearly Charlton have done and then go on to the next game still with the energy in the tank, still with, you know, a lot to give, then absolutely there's no point burning yourself out within 5-0 against the team towards the bottom end of the table if you then go and play another side three days later and get wallet 5-0 because you're absolutely exhausted. It's about how you manage your squad, how those players manage each game. Obviously, tactics come into it, of course, to do like with anything, but I think this year... It's all about how the players on the pitch actually, you know, cope with the game and how they actually, you know, they manage themselves as well. I think, yeah, I think Charlton are a funny one because they, they've had quite a few changes, haven't they, in the, in the, in the squad that's coming down. They've had a few financial problems. They they don't look, whenever I've seen highlights of them, they don't look like a team that's just come down from the championship. Compared to, like, say, Hull, who are doing pretty well at the top end of the league, you know. Yeah, like I can say, I don't, I, don't, I don't watch enough of Charlton Athletics to really comment. It's funny you mention that. It's Hull are second at the moment. Mm-hmm. Charlton are sixth. They are in the uh, last playoff place, if you will, yeah. at the moment they are anyway. Mm-hmm. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm just looking at the top of the division. I don't really look at the top of the division, which is a sad thing to say, really, but... Haven't <laughs> you to do that for a while, have you? <laughs> no. So obviously oh, it's, it's uh, Lincoln are doing well. We've got Hull, Lincoln are amazing. Peterborough, Portsmouth, Doncaster, mm-hmm. and Charlton. Going back to what I mentioned before about Doncaster and Charlton, we played them both, and I don't think you know they didn't really need to break a sweat the pair of them. They tip both teams even. So get the results, mm-hmm. not be knackered, and move on to the next game because they're coming Absolutely. thick and fast. These games Tuesday, oh, yeah, Saturday, just... Tuesday, Saturday. And um, if you want to write in, tell us who you think is going up from League One, please let us know. I quite fancy Lincoln to do it, personally. Speaking of games coming thick and fast, wasn't long for Dale to have a quick turnaround with a home game against MK Dons. Greg, how did that go? Yes, so obviously I watched that one as well on the uh, on the iFollow. I tweeted, I said, we're going to concede in the first 15 minutes, and we did. And yeah, yeah. Josh said 10th, and it happened in the 50, he was the closest. Right, okay, got you. You know, it was a disappointing game. A lot of, lot of obviously, a lot of Dale fans were saying it's a must-win game. This because I think at the time they were just slightly above us, uh, MK Dons, and it was sort of it was a bit of a six-pointer. But um, obviously, they've gone straight up with that win on uh, yesterday. It, same, same copy and paste scenario in terms of collapsing early on. In terms of going in early, that goal we had a decent ten minutes where Matty Lund scored, and Matty Lund has been an absolute revelation this season. I think he's scored twelve goals in all competitions. Just collapsed in the second half. I don't three goals in eight minutes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, from that season, isn't it? Really, that's what screams to me was the goals from Jules Fraser and then Big Cameron Jerome from the fifty-fifth to sixty-second minute. That's 
that's that's worrying more so because seeing the first 15 minutes if that becomes a habit where you concede your heads go down to pull it back to 1-1 one, one, and you just collapse in the space of seven minutes or so then that's for me a real concern because I don't think 4-1 was an accurate reflection of the game from what you've said and from looking at sort of the stats and that it doesn't seem like you deserve to lose 4-1 but there we are you know I don't really keep track of MK Dons but they've got Cameron Jerome and they've got Will Gregg which I was a bit surprised about Andrew Sermon as well midfield yeah that's another one and they're signing yeah. these these type of experienced players that I would love for Dale really but mm. I'm assuming that you know our finances we can't get these type of players but in terms of fair, experience you've got, uh, yeah, you've got Paul McShane he's injured that's the only problem is he's um, he's a oh, very good player when uh, when he when he comes on he, he is very assertive in defence and he, yeah. you know he steadies everything but he's not played for a while which is uh, disappointing yeah. really because he is when he plays everything is I was a bit surprised that we didn't play Keohane starting, sorry, and McLaughlin because they're both, yeah, they're right, very different types of full-backs, but if you're playing against Will Grigg and Cameron Jerome, I know you can say, you know, one's past it, one's not, you don't hear about the other as much, things like that. You do need good full-backs to try and just track them or follow them or keep an eye on them. And Keohane and McLaughlin, I think if you'd have started one of them, well, I'd, I, I would have started a pair of them. I think they'd have kept yeah. an eye on Cameron or Will, you know, Will, just seemed a bit of a strange starting setup again. I don't know if he was overthinking it and over preparing, thinking that could happen and this could happen. But straight off the yeah. bat, fans, you know, the ones that I'm on the group chat with, were just wondering, like, why is Kian not, not playing? Why is he not playing such a thing? Mm. Just seems a bit of a, a myth, not, not quite a mismatch uh, starting 11, but just an unusual way to set up against too experienced or well-known uh, strikers. It was just a bit of a strange yeah. one. It was it was heartbreaking to watch at the end because, like you said before, Matt, there was three goals in, what was it, 10 minutes or eight minutes, something like that, and you could yeah. just see it developing. And as soon as they got, you know, the bit between the teeth, MK Dons, that was it then. They were going for it. Yeah. We just need to try and keep the shape. There's, there is promising play when you see Humphreys, like, go with the ball and then Morley can do the long shot and he's, he's looking for something. He's trying to create something. He's all young, like, oh, yeah, I've got, got a lot of time for Morley. You can yeah. see what they're trying to do. It's just trying to... You said it last week, Jimmy, actually. Just get the 1-0 win. Yeah, just shut up shop and try and score. It's, it sounds simple. And yeah, it's a, it's a funny one, really, with you guys. I mean, I'm just looking at the lineup here. I'm, um, I could be wrong. It appears to me like BBM went 4-4-2, according to this. And he's got Connor Shaughnessy in midfield, who I've got noted down as a defender. Now, whether that's because he'd actually played a fifth defender or something... I don't know, but it said the Connor Shaughnessy had the least touches of 36 of any outfield player to play in the 90 minutes of the game. That's worrying. That's worrying. If, he's, if he's a centre-mid, okay, he's a defender playing centre-mid. That's a concern if he's got the least touches. Would you have started, given the form he's been in, would you have started Quagro Bar instead? Yes. Going back to the player that you just mentioned, we just signed him about two weeks ago from Leeds. I mean, you could say he's been chucked in the deep end, possibly, in terms of, right, you start and get on yeah. with it. You know, we need to must-win game, so maybe he has been dropped in a little bit. I'm I'm not yeah. going to go too far with his any criticism with that player, particularly yeah. just yet. But you, yeah, no, I mean, but, I mean, he's up against the midfield five as well. It seems well, Fraser, um, Scott Fraser's playing behind Will Grigg and Cameron Jerome, and they had a midfield four that seemed to dominate the game. It seems from from I'm just going off what I'm looking at now. I just think square pegs, round holes, and if players aren't getting touched in the middle of the park, then it's clear to see where the issue is. It's something that I didn't particularly pick up on. I didn't think he had a poor game, but when you look at stats, you know, stats do, do jump out, obviously, like the stat that we are the worst home record in all football league. It, these They do stand out, these stats, you know, and they are going to be talked about. Twitter wasn't happy last night with Dale fans and the result and BBM out, we need this. This was much, you know, much needed win and we needed to, dip, we needed to get something and it was completely the opposite to what the fans were wanting or expecting or hoping for really it's um it was a turning point mm, yeah and that's it if you're not sure of things off the back then how long until the manager gets questioned really for his decisions i mean it's a it's a tricky one i know he's been he's been a great servant to the club as a player as well as a manager but how long can you persist with i mean okay unfortunately with the way the world is you can't afford to necessarily be paying managers off right now but how long can you persist with conceding three four goals a game just looking on Twitter about an hour ago, Bristol Rovers have sacked the manager and Ooh, Northampton that, yeah. and Northampton have sacked the manager. 
they're both down there as well, aren't they? Yeah. Who was the who was the Bristol? That wasn't Tisdale, was it? Yes. Bristol Rovers manager. Yeah. Paul Tisdale. Yeah. And the Northampton was Keith Curl. Yeah. So they're both gone. He's done a good job, Keith, getting them into League One, considering they came what seventh last year in League Two. They're yeah. both down there, aren't they? So yeah. it, it's getting to that time now that it's coming towards mid Feb. You know, that time of the season where clubs will start to worry about relegation and it's become a very real threat. They've budgeted for League One or whatever league they're in. And seen, I don't think, that many sackings this season because of COVID and, and clubs have to pay off managers and what have you. I think now that we are going to see an increase in managerial changes, we've probably seen a lot more than we can think of. But what I think we're going to see next month or two, we've had the, the end of the transfer window, stuff like that. I think we're going to see a few more managers go. And I don't know if BBM's safe. Who is it on Saturday then? Wimbledon away from home, which is a huge oh, game, really, when you think about it. Huge game. That's massive. I think it's. I think it's. A, I think we need to win that. Bit of a six points, are they? They're yeah. down there as well, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're, and you um, get to visit. Well, you don't get to visit unfortunately because no support, but they get to visit Wimbledon's new stadium, which looks really nice. Far away. Looks very good. It's a fantastic little stadium. It does look mm-hmm. good. Looks of it. Wimbledon nineteenth, twenty-five points. Rochdale eighteen, twenty-six points. It's a big game, really. Yeah, that's a real so, it's a big, big game. It's uh, a huge result. I, I don't, I don't want BBM out. I think he's a great guy and he's got no, good, no. he's got good tactics. It's just one of those where it's the, it's, it's a bit similar to his, the team that he puts out. It's just inexperienced half the time, and mm. it's that's going to happen with an inexperienced manager. He's the only forty-two, something mm. like that. There is a game happening tonight, and I think we're close to kickoff actually. In about half an hour, so teams are out. We have gone as full strength as possible. Good. From what I can gather, the only name missing, or two names missing, players, and Pickford is still not fit, and Hammers is not playing. I think oh. was alluded to yesterday. I think Carlo did say in his, pre- uh, his mm. press conference that it was touch and go. Watson and goal. I'm assuming it's going to be a back four. Ben Godfrey at right back, I imagine Keane, uh, Jerry Mina and Luke Steen, Bicore and Davis and Sigerson in midfield, but there won't be the Charles and Cavalier up front. Yeah, it's a it's slim on the bench, range that names seven out of nine subs, and that's the two goalkeepers. Oh, you've got Tyler on your note on your on Yango on the bench. On Yango on the hitters. Bernard will come on and Kunku might come on, depending on obviously yeah, the issue this is gonna be it's gonna be a cup game, this will go extra time penalties, which I don't trust that side to go hundred well, quite many minutes. Spurs have got their side up to Harry Kane on the bench, which I again Kane on the bench, that's right. I thought yeah, he was suspended first, but there you go. No, he came back the weekend, didn't he? He scored against uh, the uh, against West, West Brom. Brom. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you got you got Larice in goal, mm-hmm. Ben Davis, Aldebaro, Davidson Sanchez, and Matt Doherty as a back four, with Undombele and uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg holding. And then across, they've got a very strong front four line with Lucas Moura, Eric Lamella, Stephen Bergwijn, and then Hume Minson up front. Thankfully, no Andre Gomez in the Everton team to match up that little rivalry again. Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's coming back, that little... Oh, it was horrible, wasn't it? But I think both sides have gone, with the exception maybe of Kane, the Spurs have gone maybe as strong as possible. But if you look at their bench, they've got Ali Dyer, not Ali Dyer, Ali and Eric Dyer. Uh, Harry Kane, Sissoko, Tanganga, Vinicius, all on the bench at Tottenham. Whereas, oh, look at ours, it's a bit worrying. I don't know who you bring on, Bernard, maybe. I mean, when you've, got, bit, I when you've got Yao Virginia Mountain High on the bench, I mean, that's saying all, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I think it's okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's two teams. Two teams that have taken the cup seriously. I think they know it's not a chance to Do I think we can do it? Yes. But the longer the game goes on, I do fear if, we need to, yeah. If they're going to stop bringing on Harry Kane with 20 minutes to go and we can bring on, no offence, doing looks a really good midfielder, but Tyler Onyango is not quite the same level as a, yeah, absolutely not. a player that I think of. But you know what? It's a cup game. Anything can happen. Uh, it was I a mean, shock last night. You know, Bournemouth beating Burnham. That was a shock. Yeah, we need to come out the traps early, really, and really come at them because we've got a lot of defenders on the bench and they've got attacking flair to come off the bench. And yeah. I do think if we're going into the game, we're going in the last 20 minutes, say, behind, I don't see us clawing it round with the change we've got to make. Exactly. The tired legs, we need to really get two ahead. And then it's got to be a case of, I can see the last 10, 15 minutes being game management. Back against the wall job. Which is what Everton do pretty well, weirdly, this year. Game like the Leeds, yeah. I know somebody commented about how we got away with three points at Elm Road, I can't remember who it was now. And they're absolutely right. Yes, we have uh, stolen a few 
points late on in games, obviously the United games well recently, but there's been games we've watched for the last 10, 10 15 minutes, we've gone, how have we won that? We've just gone back to the wall. But in previous years where we'd have conceded, we've done really well at shutting up shop late on. Yeah, they can dig in. If you, if you include VAR decisions going our way as well. Um, <laughs> but I'd, we really need to come out and hit them in the first half because I don't see... As you say, Matt, the game goes on longer. I think Spurs will have the better of it and we need to have a buffer to sort of keep them out. I think it might um, be similar to United and West Ham last night where mm-hmm. West Ham didn't quite have the firepower. I mean, they got to extra time, but they didn't really threaten for 120 minutes. And United, yeah. albeit weren't great, mm-hmm. and got when they got their chance, they scored. Um, I, yeah. don't, I don't see as really... Looking to for Charleston's Jura performance, he's been mm, admittedly by his own standards below par recently. Cavalloons are back in the goals. Good. Um, three in his last two, which is which is perfect for us. And they've also got the knowledge you now they're not actually playing now until Sunday evening. Mm, uh, we've got yeah. Fulham on Sunday night. So we've got the extra mm-hmm. 24 hours. And it's a home game, game as well. So it's a home game. Yeah, I mean, involved and exactly. struggling. So we'll see. But I mean, after that, we've got a tough week having to play the City and then goes a little born on the uh, uh, Saturday sure. night, I think. Yeah, that sounds difficult. Um, which is going to be <laughs> interesting. Week. The weird thing is, if by some sheer miracle they come out of those games with six points, we go up to we go up to Liverpool, I think, which is mental. I know we can't even imagine being anywhere near. All we have to do is beat City, beat Liverpool, beat Fulham. Easy. Sounds easy. It's on the three horse race. Four ball trades, I think. Yeah, let the um, Exactly. I mean, do I see it? No, I think the best we're going to hope for nah. is the game. I'd, I'd bite your hand off for a point in Anfield, and I'd bite your hand off for a point against City. They look unbelievable at the moment. Phil Foden looks a player. He is. The Stockport pillow or Stockport Messi. Messi, yeah, why not? Stockport Messi. Um, his goal on Sunday was. Oh, oh, so good to be fair. Beautiful. It was even as an Everton fan, not the fact that they were Liverpool, could have been against us. I sat there and gone, yeah, fair play, good goal. <laughs> Before we move on, Matt, sorry, um, question really for obviously just for you. Maybe the last chance to get to ask this question based on whatever happens tonight. Given the choice, I saw someone on Twitter, Conver, who put it up. I apologise, I responded to them on Twitter. They asked, if you're Everton fan, would you prefer fourth place or top four, I should say, or winning the FA Cup this year? Now, obviously, by the end of tonight, we may not have a choice. Would you take a top four finish, as in third, fourth, or winning the FA Cup? For me, FA Cup, because it's not a side I think is ready for Champions League football yet. Mm-hmm. I think Europa League, yes. I think we, we wouldn't go and win it, but I think we do a good account of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that it's been all of years, 26 years, is needs yeah. something. We just need a, you know, a cup in the way. I'd take anything in the moment. I'd, 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 I'd win a tin of beans, not simply rivers, I'd throw it as a parade. I'd just be like, mm. oh, whatever. Yeah. Would you win a half-time raffle? As long as it involves going to Wembley, yeah, it's a major yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Give it a task. So we can celebrate. We can celebrate. Silverware. I think the cup, yeah, I think Carlo appreciated Yeah, he does, to be fair. And ending in the league at the moment is going to be a bonus. If we do get some of the top four plays, fair play, because it's not a sign yeah. that we're back to get top four, but definitely top seven, top eight, depending on obviously how cups go this year, that kind of thing. If we can maybe blag away to your league spot. Get back into Europe, I'll be happy, but with our trophies and the, the number one target, which obviously no, get I think you Europe and then... You always look at every season, if you can get yourself some European football and either a cup run or a cup either way, you can look at it as a pretty good season. It's sort of like um, box ticked, isn't it? In, in one sense, it's sort yeah, of a... I'd agree in that an FA Cup win would be celebrated for years and years and years we still remember well obviously we don't remember but we still hear about the 95 finals say about the 95 semi-final against Spurs at Elm Road yeah. um, and the catch and all that whereas how often now and you and I know Matt we were there uh, half season ticket holes in 2005 how often do you hear about was eulogising about the time we finished fourth ahead of Liverpool and in the um, I mean there was the, the slight issue that season Liverpool went to win the Champions League well, that's, that's exactly it no one remembers the fact that we came fourth on the Moyes with yeah. Marcus Benz or James Beattie and all that team when was Liverpool won the European Cup that year? And how was like the most dramatic of European Cup finals? But also because we were booed out of two European competitions by September. We lost the VR, a very good VR reality. Yes, I remember and that. Utterly humbled against Dan and Bucharest, which I still can't get my head around how we managed to get so badly done by that. We were in the bottom three at Christmas. 
Like, it was only a last-minute win at Sunderland that turned our season round on New Year's Eve, I think. So yeah. that was a disastrous season after coming fourth. So to be honest with you, I know obviously we came fourth. Now we wouldn't be kicked out of Europe in September because you go straight into the group stage. No one remembers coming. No one remembers you if you finish second. Basically, that's the the saying, isn't it? Pretty yeah, much true. Said it. True. No, certainly no one remembers if you finish fourth. We've had a lot of near-misses, but a lot of chances to get there. You know, look at this season. We've had a few chances to try the nine cup final. But and they, really. You know, three cup semi-finals, Chelsea, again, definitely bottled the that second leg. 2016 semi against United, missed penalty. Exactly. All sorts of things. We've had semi-final against Liverpool. We've had, you, know, you name it, we've got close. We've got each. Close, but no cigar in it. It'd just be nice to be able to go and sit there and go, look at that, we've won this, and I remember yeah. it. Like a bit of cardboard and tin foil, stick it in under like a palisade sacks, get the blue and white flags out. Because we've seen the red and white we've seen the red and white flags out often enough in the last few years, obviously tin foil trophies and whatnot. You know, it'd be nice to do it ourselves. There's a bit of sad news to report, actually. Exdale manager Tony Collins has passed away on Monday. He was the first black football manager in England. Rochdale appointed him, I think it was 1960s. Tony led Dale to the 1962 League Cup final. And to this day, it ranks as only one of two League Cup finals to have a fourth-tier side in the final. I think the other one's Bradford, isn't it, Jimmy? Is that right? It is Bradford in 2013 against Swansea. And that was Gary Jones. (laughs) That was Gary Jones, yeah. Yeah. Tony was a pioneer, really, in the game. Sad news for the club that he's passed away. There's something that I'd just like to add to this, that the cup final, that 1962 cup final, my granddad Jim went to that cup final. The first leg was at Spotland, and then the mm. second leg was at Carroll Road. So yeah. my granddad went to a cup final at Spotland. I, yeah. I bet you didn't know that um, Spotland held cup, cup final. Finals, yeah. um, the one thing I had to was nothing newsworthy, but I was just really pleased to see the Premier League and the FA this week bring in concussion substitutions. Mm. And five, it feels like a long, long time coming, and it feels like it's a really good place that we're going to. But it was nice to see. It's not nice to see last night, but it was. I think it's a day off and off uh, for Spurs at half time, and it's good to see that we're finally taking some some action with it, and seeing that and, you know teams aren't being penalised, and the players' so safety in particular um, is at the forefront of it. And it was good to see. It was a nice thing. It was it was a welcome change after all the VAR controversy and. You know, the offside rule, the offside flags and whatever else. It was good to see a change come in that was actually, I would welcome. That's where I can put it. It sounds like that this week. Yeah. It feels like a turning point, doesn't it, a little bit, that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, 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 it seems daft. You can't look at it and think, yeah, why isn't this been a thing for... Yeah. You know, Robbie's had blood subs for as long as I can remember. Mm. It just kind of made sense. It was like, yeah, of course. If, you know, if it's something which is out of a player's control, or if it is an accident, and he's looked a pretty nasty uh, blow ahead between him and I think it was Anthony Marshall last night. I think Marshall came up with a pretty big egg on his head at the end of it. Yeah, these things should be in place, and it's, it's you know it seems daft that we're at this point of view. I mean, they're talking about obviously restricting how much the players head the ball because there's a lot of talk about dementia. I think it was Alan Shearer. I think that they got mentioned on it a couple of years ago for the BBC, which yeah, definitely turned the point, and I think it's something that hopefully now breeds further changes into play safety and you know we're not hearing about yeah. horror stories of players down the line. My little story of the week isn't actually football related. No, it isn't really, is that Matt and I have recently just become uncles, well step uncles the very first time. On Friday our stepbrother Joe and his wife Eve gave birth to a lovely little boy, Connor Bowden, weighed six pounds twelve ounces I've got here. I've not met him yet, obviously, but my mum our mum I should say has met him and he's absolutely delightful. So watch out in the next 18 years or so for the future Liverpool centre forward. Joe of course has been a massive Liverpool fan. It's just a really nice moment for the family and amongst all the the rubbish that's gone on the last year or so it's you know and there's been it's just some really exciting news for us as a family really um it's like i say it's only personal it's nothing football related but it's it's just brought a smile to my face this week that you know there's a little one in the family and it's been a long time we're not we haven't got many kids in the family not even a week old yet and he's getting his name mentioned on the podcast so brilliant good stuff just a similar shout out actually i've two of my friends eddie and leanne have, they've got a baby girl uh, yeah. Born today, so Eddie texts me this afternoon. Oh. Eddie, Leanne, and Brooke and Phoebe. You know, superb mm-hmm. news, really. So I, I, obviously, we're, we're doing a lot of announcements this week with the uh, yeah. doing a lot of baby announcements. Yeah. yeah, next week on the crash with Matt, Jimmy, and Greg. <laughs> There's a fundraiser at Rochdale AFC. Uh, David Clough, who's passed away, unfortunately, he's left his entire estate to the club. 
such an incredible gesture when you think of it. it it's unbelievable. So some of the fans have started a fundraiser for him to have a statue made of him. I think I think they're trying to have it so that it will be in the seats that he used to sit in. Uh, the fans so far, and some of the ex-players as well, have uh, chipped into the, um, the fundraiser. They've raised nine grand so far, which is unbelievable. Luke Matheson's put some money in as well. He used to play for Rochdale. It's just an incredible gesture from David, obviously, and everyone that's trying to sort everything out for this statue. So if anybody would like to donate to, to David's just I think it's a Just Giving page. I think it's called the Just Give page. Um, I'll try and put the link on our Twitter page. Absolutely. It's just something that's quite a unique thing, obviously, to have uh, fan statues. I wasn't too sure mm-hmm. if anybody, any of you two knew anything about any uh, clubs that have fan statues in uh, Spain or anywhere. I don't think there is. I know Derby have got a Steve Bloomer statue, I think, or a little bust in the tunnel. But one that strikes me was when Matt and I went to, and this isn't football related, went to Boston and the Boston yes, Red Sox, Fenway Park. There yes, was we did. a, was it a, a red seat or a different coloured seat in um, honour of a gentleman who's never, you can research this online, a gentleman who was hit with a ball uh, that obviously joined a baseball game and obviously died. Okay. Um, and that was his season ticket seat at the Fenway Park. So they've kept that seat one colour and the rest are all a different colour. So that's similar type thing at Fenway. Um, wow. I, don't, I can't yeah. remember exactly what it is, but obviously if you've been, you'll know what I mean. You can look it up online, I'm sure. It's all to do with um, Fenway Park. But apart from that, I can't think of anything that's got a statue inside the ground. I'm not sure. But, um, if anyone... Like I say, Sandberg, if anyone knows South America, guaranteed, yeah. yeah. I mean, there'll probably be a statue of Maradona inside Boca Juniors ground at some point. Or at the Argentina's Junior Stadium, of course. Or Possibly. Possibly. But, yeah, yeah just like I say, anyone who's got any photos or anything or any, any proof of any statues inside a stadium, then please let us know. Because, yeah, that'd be something to, to look at, definitely. We can do a few shout-outs next pod if we get any responses. Yeah, it's just unusual to have, like, a, a fan statue, I thought. You know, you hear a lot about managers and players and people that, you know, on that type of calibre, but uh, something I've never heard of before. It's quite unique. I could have swore that I heard one in Spain somewhere, but I'm going to have to do a bit of digging. But also, Absolutely. that can be for the uh, the listeners if they want to send us anything, any information about fan statues Absolutely. or even fan tributes that are um, mm. near stadiums. That's something that yeah. we can try and talk about at one point because it's quite yeah, a unique thing, sure isn't if, it? I'm not sure if, like, Leganez or Athletic Bilbao or somebody has got something. I know Leganez did put, like, Shirts, I think, on the season ticket seats of any of the Leganes ticket holders who died of COVID. But obviously, uh, that's, yeah, that's only something recent. But I don't know. I'm sure there'll be something, I'm sure. But yeah, I can't put it on my head now. Where can you follow the Men in Blue podcast, correct? It's just Men in Blue podcast on Twitter. I couldn't quite get the, um, the handle right. I don't know what the hell happened there. I'm just trying to just get it. Get, there we go. <laughs> so it's at Men in Blue pod CA1. I don't know if that's a generic thing that Twitter came up with, but um, I had no Possibly. no saying that. But it's... And if, if anyone's got anything that CA1 could mean, we'll make it up. We'll go with that, yeah. yeah. It's like a car it's registration almost. Yeah. Or, you know. <laughs> Carl yeah, there you go. There so, you go. We've got it. Carlos, that's the one. That's and he's number one. He is the best. So it's CA1. That's where it comes from. I knew, yeah, I knew, I, I knew that was something. You knew you'd done it, Grant. Bloody knew it. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. And if, like like Jimmy said, if you've got any questions, fire them at us on Twitter, Many Blue Podcast, hashtag MIB Podcast. And thank you all very much for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.